you ready? You ready? You ready to do this, dog? You want to do the show? Yeah. You sure. want to get Fuck into this? You. You I heard you're going to be real belligerent. Like I'm looking. Where's that Ricky at? Like, oh I want, yeah. Maybe I want this fucking up. guy to, to fucking yell at me about Predator Two. I don't have anything to yell at. Uh, yell at you about Predator Two. I have things to yell at Predator Two about. <laughs> Los Angeles, 1997. It's the hottest summer on record. Pollution is choking the city. The gangs control the streets. It has not been a nice day! As bad as things are, they're about to get worse. Much worse. Whoever killed him is going to pay. I'm going to finish it. It has almost no weight. But it cuts like steel. Incredible. Whoever did this took out four men armed with machine guns by hand. You don't know what you're dealing with. Other world life forms drawn by heat and conflict. He's on safari. Lions. Tigers. The bears. Oh my. Danny Glover, Gary Busey, Ruben Blades, Maria Conchita Alonso, Bill Paxton. Predator 2. He's in town with a few days to kill this Thanksgiving you about predator 2 because i i have a feeling that that you also didn't that you also didn't like the inherent racism of the movie (laughs) yeah it was pretty wild how racist it was it was pretty wild Um, one of the more racist movies i've i've seen in a long in a long time yes it wasn't because it wasn't just racist it had this whole worldview that like some people weren't really people and you can kill them you know and that's not (laughs) even a moment it's not even that they weren't people it's that they are animals and the movie depicts them animalistically like the movie depicts them as primal animals almost literally well ricky but that's because you understand the predator is a hunter so to uh, to him we are the animals do you get it do you, do you see what i'm doing right here the yeah. predator is the hunter and we are the animals hmm? not any hmm? white not any by we you i hope you don't mean us because we're white and everybody that the predator was enjoying hunting that were depicted as animals were minorities <laughs> all right well you're it, yeah it has a very representative cast i don't know why you're getting hung up on it in this way but you know <laughs> I think the vision of the filmmaker is like, we're all in. Like, there's a great scene where Danny Glover, you know, he's just been in the police office and he's having a big argument about the aliens or whatever. And he walks out past a window full of taxidermy, like you have, in fucking downtown LA. And he looks in it and there, it like does a rack focus from the animals to him because he's the fucking prey. Do you understand, Ricky? He's like the animals. He's just an animal. I mean, that is one charitable way of talking about how it <laughs> considered human beings animals. Uh, we should get into the far less charitable ways. Uh, yeah, it's in awful. A, it's in, an awful movie. In a few minutes, we should uh, first say, uh, hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. This is 30 Years Later, the show, the podcast, the <laughs> audio listening uh, entertainment service. Uh, brought to you by uh, me, Ricky Camilleri, and oh Chris god. Chafin. Hello, Chris. Hey, Ricky. How's it going? Nice. Don't to you dare! You. Oh my god! At my introduction, He's gonna mutter while you. Is that cool? Is that a supportive co-host behavior? If I just <laughs> mutter in like like embarrassment and horror the whole time you talk. Like, uh, to, <laughs> today, today we are talking about 1990s Predator Two, the sequel to John McTiernan's. Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but Predator 2 is without Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they replaced him with another uh, action star of the moment, 
um, who I will leave it to Chris or any viewer uh, to decide for themselves whether or not he fits the bill, and that is Danny Glover. <laughs> Danny Glover. Danny Glover. <laughs> Danny, Mr. Danny Glover, if, who fist fights the Predator for 30 minutes at the end of the movie and, 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 and wins. Um, we're supposed to, we have watched this predator, like literally like cut people's heads off, like suck their spines out through their mouths and like, you know, shoot a million people, cut people's hearts out. And fucking Danny Glover is like throwing, they're in a, you know, a meat storage facility and he's like throwing the sides of meat behind him, but it's like actually slowing the predator down a lot. He's like, Oh, oh, oh that's meat. The, the predator at one point in the movie dr- drops onto a subway car and then cuts himself into the top of the car and drops into it. <laughs> Yet when Danny Glover punches <laughs> punches him, he's like, <laughs> This guy, uh, fucking, oh my God, what is his name? Um, oh, the other the guy. guy who the, plays the predator? No, the young guy in the movie uh, who's very famous also. Not, um, oh, Bill Paxton? Yes. So Bill Paxton shoots this fucking Predator like 20 times, like two full clips into the Predator and it does not even flinch. Danny Glover shoots it once and it like starts spinning backwards and bleeding. Like what was going? It was like his, cause his gun was bigger. Was that the reason? I don't. Um, so the movie takes pl- Predator 2 takes place in 1997, seven years um, uh, from whence the movie was made. So it's a yeah. futuristic movie. It's a future uh, movie. It's a future yeah. movie with very heavy RoboCop vibes without any of the satire. Yes. And um, it is about an LA that is um, being uh, run by a gang warfare, drug gang warfare. And uh, it's in the midst of a heat wave. So when it's explained later by Gary Busey that the Predator likes uh, war zones to go hunting, that is why LA has be has, has become this because the predator he says he says he's drawn to heat and conflict. Yes, and then <laughs> it's he, and really then, funny. And then he does an amazing read of lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! Where he goes lions. <laughs> he goes he goes he goes lions, lions, tigers, bears. Oh my! <laughs> so funny it's so fucking weird it's so, so we, weird so we drop down la 1997 there's the there's this shootout between the cops and the colombian drug gang and it's unclear as to why the colombian drug gang is like in a, a shootout with the cops other than it seems like they just like to shoot at the cops they're so <laughs> excited oh, to be in the God. middle of a gunfight with the cops and they're like grabbing their crotches at them and doing extremely uh, racist stuff, like being like, going like, ay, 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 and like, while they're shooting. They're not, like shit. huge machine guns, grenade launchers. One of them blows up a cop car at one point and he's just like, ah, ah, yeah. ah. It's, uh, again, this is like the RoboCop vibes, but it's like missing this sort of like weird satire that RoboCop has, where it's just like, RoboCop is just like an extra, like a, a, an an extra level higher in terms of performance, right? So you're you're actually like w- wondering what the fuck you're watching, rather than feeling like you're just watching a racist depiction. Um, right. Yeah. yeah Danny Danny Glover shows up and uh, he like takes out a guy, and then the Colombians run away and they go upstairs. And as they're upstairs and snorting all of their cocaine and putting on like bones around their body or something because there is literally a scene where someone grabs like a golden egg that's like full of cocaine and sniffs it and then goes (laughs) (laughs) and then the predator the predator drops in kills all of them and the cops are like what's this and this is like kind of the first problem of the movie which is that like we're like we already know what the predator is yet the movie has is like giving us characters who are trying to solve what who's killing everybody but we know like we're ahead of our main characters the whole movie it makes it like a little boring and you're like well, let's just make the predator the main character and follow him around because these guys <laughs> who, who care who cares about these cops like they're they're way behind everything that's going on in this movie um well so i mean just to like take a step back for a second so like this is the sequel to the predator like you're saying right okay what did you like about the predator a movie that's set in the jungle where a bunch of the world's toughest men all fight the predator for their lives in the jungle so like naturally a sequel to the predator would be like a middle-aged cop in a big city who's trying to solve the murders that the predator is committing like it's 
<laughs> like it turns it into a weird cop movie. And I don't think that makes any sense. It's like nothing at all that you would like about the first Predator happens in this movie, except like the invisibility effect. Like that's a really cool, but like other than that, it could not be less like the Predator. Yeah, and even like e- even in the first movie, they're not really trying to solve what they don't right. know what it is, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Fuck, it's a monster. We better kill it." You know what the yeah, hell? And they're then they're like, "Oh, this monster's an alien. Doesn't really matter. It's trying to kill us. So we survive. need to kill it." They're yeah. just trying to survive. We're, you know, exactly. Right. Whereas in this, it's it's they're they're kind of like, "What is this thing? What is? Let's get some. Let's gather evidence and figure and get witnesses and figure out what <laughs> they're this like is. getting clue. There is literally like a scene where they are like have to go get a clue about the predator. <laughs> you know, and you're like, what? in the world am i watching are they gonna put him in jail like what is this and at the same time and then as a cop movie alone it is riddled with bad writing and cliches like like i mean literally someone says in the movie my hands are like the fbi is on this my hands are tied like no i think they (laughs) they even say like the fbi is up my ass my hands are tied here it's like Jesus, like, okay, guys, we couldn't do like one more pass where we tried to give like a better, like a line that wasn't out of like a 19, like a Dirty Harry movie. Um, and then it's just like, we're just speaking in broad, like this is just movie language. It's just like, we're in a cop movie. They should just say, you know what I mean? It's like that adult swim show with Chris Elliott. It's like, <laughs> we're just doing cop stuff. Get into my office, you. It's like, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't go anywhere. Like, who cares, you know? Like, and then there's a, a, I will say a take uh, a very clear, unthought out, maybe not a take, because a take would mean maybe that it's like thought out, but like clearly someone had interest in depicting salacious media because there's a number of different newscasters that are brought into the fold early on in the movie and then sort of dropped off at some point later on. But these sort of salacious, hard copy esque uh, newscasters who are following all oh, the this crime is on the street. Morton Downey Jr. Yeah. You, do you know yes. it's Morton Downey wait, Jr.? Wait, is it actually Morton Downey Jr.? Yes, it is. It's Morton Whoa. Downey Jr. I didn't know it was yes. actually Morton Downey Jr. Holy shit. I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, let me double check now. That I'm, but it was like just pretty obviously him to me. Morton Downey Jr. Yeah, it's him. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like playing himself, basically, being like the scummy tabloid journalist. He's the one where there's there's a, at one point the predator kills a bunch of people on the uh, subway, including Bill Paxton and some drug dealers and stuff. So he's doing a newscast and he goes, "The body count: five assorted drug wasteoids and one good cop." Yeah, like, ex- yeah, exactly. Well, not because he killed Bill Paxton, but be killed because he killed the predator killed the um, uh, the the Hispanic cop, uh, not Maria Conchito Alonso, but the the other cop who's made, oh like, right, remember. yeah, 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 that other one. You're right. Yeah, they yeah. hadn't the body count hadn't caught up yet. Yeah, exactly. But also, side note, uh, his M- Morton Downey's uh, one of Morton Downey Jr.'s monologues in the movie uh, made it into Sister Soldier's song in 1991, "The Final Solution: Slavery's Back in Effect." And there's a there's a sample from Predator Two, uh, in that it's a great song. She's amazing, uh, but yeah, it's fascinating that 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 this movie ended up up in that because I'm sure, I, I I don't know for sure. I didn't find any interviews with her talking about Predator Two. Maybe it was just a sample, but I can't imagine an activist such as herself who's like tapped into how like uh, uh, black and brown people are depicted in popular culture didn't have a visceral reaction to this movie and like threw a sample uh, into her song. And just to follow up, like after the predator kills the Colombians, there is then a scene where, because there is a drug war going on between the Colombians and the Jamaicans, which doesn't make any sense. Um, The Jamaican gang, please, Ricky, please. They're called the, oh God, what is it? They're voodoo. Which doesn't make sense because Jamaica doesn't have voodoo. (laughs) Jamaica's not a voodoo country. It's like, Get your fucking the stereotypes Jamaican, right. They're called they're called the Jamaican Voodoo Posse. That is the name of the gang, and the leader of the gang is King Willie, and King Willie does voodoo fortune telling stuff. Like he's always throwing bones on an old rain barrel, you know. But <laughs> right before right before we get the scene where 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 the the Jamaican Voodoo Posse. Um, is about to like kill a bunch of Colombians. They kill one, they cut him open, and then the predator comes down and kills everybody, basically. Where they're doing voodoo magic. They they explicitly <laughs> say, we are doing voodoo magic. Prior to that, though, when we op- when the scene opens, it opens with the, the head of the 
Colombian uh, gang or cartel getting uh, ridden by a, a, a topless woman in bed who once again, like is maybe I'm reading too far into this, but the way like it opens with her riding him in this particularly animalistic way. It all feels like sub- it all feels like this sort of dehumanization of these uh, uh, of these people. It's like she's like riding him. She's like, ah, 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 ah. like it's it's it, it's kind of it's jarring. And then the the Jamaican voodoo posse shows up and they start like, well, can I just say that's how people had bones. sex in the nineties? That that's what a really sexy way to have sex was in the nineties, like in Showgirls when they're in the fucking uh, waterfall with Kyle MacLachlan. That's, like, that's different. just a sexy way to have sex. That's, that's just a normal sexy way to have sex. It really feels to me like the director was like in in shots like these where like these people like you know behave more like animals. These people are animals. Like that's how it feels like they are directed to behave. Maybe I'm reading something no, into I mean, it. I don't think I am. No, it's like very dehumanizing. It it was just amazingly racist towards these people yeah i I was actually i was watching the mandalorian earlier tonight and i was thinking i guess this kind of shoot 'em up stuff still exists but now they are literally not humans (laughs) they're not just like people that are dehumanized they're just like little weird gremlins you know (laughs) (laughs) um and the predator shows up and kills all these people and then from then on out they basically drop the gang warfare thing although danny glover has to like talk to king willie at one point um, who then gets murdered by the predator, I believe, right? And yeah, um, cuts his head off, and then drinks his his skin. <laughs> drinks his skin. There's this scene they don't quite show it because it's the pre- you know they have to so they can't show that much I guess, but it's like you get the strong impression that the predator has put the King Willie's head in some kind of device, and he is slurping off all of his hair and skin, and then at the end there's just like a clean skull left. <laughs> And he puts the skull on his like wall of trophy skulls, but you don't get to see what the other ones are. Not yet. That's a little treat for later in the movie. A little Easter egg at the end of the movie. Mm, I do. It might inspire some further franchise action, you know? I do love when Bill Paxton gets killed and we cut to um, the predator, like mortal combating Bill Paxton's head and spine in the, in the, in the subway area. Also, we should say this, like this movie has subways because it assumed that, LA would have subways in 1997. And actually I read that they actually opened that year in Los Angeles. So it ended up not even being futuristic. Really? There actually were subways starting in 1990. Like when the movie was written and in production, there were not subways and then they opened that year. I read that the movie was initially written for New York, but then they couldn't shoot it there because it would cost too much money. So they moved it to LA. And so it had to, that's why it changed to LA and why they also made it in 1997. <laughs> it's such a fucking weird choice. Seven years in the future. Like, it's such an odd amount. Of, I don't think I've ever in my life seen something set seven years in the future. Well, I mean, uh, like Terminator, kind of Terminator 2 is eight years. Is that true? 1999. All right. I feel like this movie tries to look more futuristic yes. at times. Yeah, I agree. Like Terminator 2 mostly looks like it's happening in real the real world, but then it's like I guess there's like a crazy computer somewhere, you know. Well, there's nothing Whereas even a this crazy... movie is like, oh, we're like in the future all the time, you know. Right, they're consistently like look at all the cameras that we have, look at all this technology, look at how the media works in in, in the future. Yeah, exactly. Um and then, you know, following the death of King Willie and the subway platform uh, fight, which I, I want to go to Roger Ebert's review about Predator Two, um, when he ta- where he talks about the subway platform fight. The movie basically just turns into a fight between Danny Glover and uh, and the Predator. Although there are like government agents led by Gary Busey there right. for a while, and it somehow goes into a slaughterhouse. It's one of those things where it's like these '90s action movies where they were just like drawing out of a hat where to set the climax of the movie like uh, <laughs> slaughterhouse okay. uh, empty factory uh a scaffolding uh, an empty parking garage uh meat warehouse empty factory was every horror movie from like 81 to 95 yeah i loved watching that um oh that new show on hbo max is it john wilson's how-to about the scaffolding 
Uh, there's like a whole bit with all these like action movies on scaffoldings where you're like, oh yeah, like I guess I've seen a million action movies that took place like on a scaffolding. That's very weird when you think about it. Um, the uh, the yeah, it really was like why a slaughterhouse? What? How did how did this figure into it? Did they even they give a reason for that? He comes here every three days to feed. He's got a taste for beef. Get the fuck yeah, out of here. Yeah, and then Danny Glover goes. Danny Glover goes. Yeah, Danny Glover goes. I didn't think he was a vegetarian. I did not. Wait, it's Danny Glover. It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, Chris. You can't give Danny Glover an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's some of his lines are like Arnold Schwarzenegger lines. I mean, yes. did they just write the movie for Arnold and then Danny Glover came in and did it? Like, is that what happened? I read mixed things where it's like they wrote it for Arnold, but Arnold didn't want to do it because he was doing Kindergarten Cop and he also wanted a lot more money. Um, and I also read that. Arnold was going to play uh, Gary Busey's part and was going to be a villain. Oh. And he said no to it because of that. So there's mixed stories. And about... I also read another thing where it was saying it was imagining a version of it with Arnold. And they were like, he was like, maybe it's 20 years in the future. And one of them has survived. And the other one, you know, it, it was kind of more like he was kind of a different character in a, in a cop thing. Can I, and then I also read that, that, that the director just brought on Danny Glover and cause he had worked with him on something else before. Hmm. Can I say, can you imagine, um, like, this movie already feels fairly racist, with even with your hero being Danny Glover, and, like, the cops yeah. around him, with the exception of Bill Paxton being Latino. Um, can you imagine if Arnold Schwarzenegger was the hero in this, was Danny Glover's part in this movie, and the rest of the movie was the same? Like, how it would feel to have this, like, oh, this, like, oh huge, oh huge, blue-eyed, blonde-haired Austrian running around oh fucking... Murdering all these people of color. Yes! Like, like how insane... I mean, oh I'm, I'm, I'm sure there is an Arnold movie that already feels like that, and I can't pick it up yeah, off like the top of, of my them, head. I'm yeah. sure, most of them. <laughs> I mean, even, like, True Lies. That's, like, what True Lies is basically oh that's right he's killing he's killing arabs in true in true lies right yeah. aren't they arab yeah, terrorists yeah because yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a modern movie so they're arab terrorists right yeah, like the cold the Soviets cold war the cold war had ended and they were like shit we got okay uh whoa, hezbollah okay uh, terrorists i guess I, I don't know yeah. yeah can it be a drug gang it doesn't really make sense in this one Ugh, son of a bitch <laughs> well glover had i don't know if glover had worked with stephen hopkins the director because hopkins is coming off of nightmare on elm street 5 the dream child that's yeah. how he got this role but glover and Busey had been in the lethal weapon lethal weapon right. movies that joel silver produced who also produces this right. Yeah. And Steve Cahane apparently also was in Lethal Weapon. Yeah, he plays the captain in this, and he also plays the captain in Lethal Weapon, I believe. I mean, it is so funny. There's all those movies are the same, you know, yeah. uh, all these like '90s cop movies and '80s and '90s cop movies, like that that office that the chief has. It's always exactly the same in every single one of these movies. I mean, this not to get ahead of myself, but like Gary Busey in the chief of police office having a big argument with someone. I was like, how many times have I seen this in my life? You know, in like a million different movies. Right, where the, the cop, the chief says, the FBI is up my ass, my hands are tied on this one. And what are you doing? You disobeyed a direct order. You blew up five city blocks and destroyed seven squad cars. The mayor is up my ass. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Bill Paxton, we mentioned him briefly. Uh, he is murdered on a subway car after going after the um, the predator. And it is one, it is a, I will honestly say, kind of my favorite part of the movie. A so far over the top performance by Bill Paxton, kind of, like, <laughs> kind of like what he specializes in, but so far over the top. Especially at the time. Yeah. yeah, when he sees a woman in the bar that he's going to go hit on, he li- he licks his fingers and like wipes the side of his temples for no reason. Like he's not even like <laughs> pushing hair back. He just kind of goes, if you'll excuse me, eh, eh, zzz, and then like heads over <laughs> to the girl. And it's like, so unnecessary and weird and it's just like a cartoon sleaze bag <laughs> hey, when, when he gets over there she's dancing with somebody else and he goes hey excuse me that's my sister wait you're not my sister mm. and then the, she like <laughs> immediately starts making out with him yes exactly I mean no wonder he acts that way it works you know like it it's like a hundred percent success rate <laughs> uh, 
And uh, another member of the police force or on Danny Glover's uh, squad is Maria Conchita Alonso, who is in Vampire's Kiss. Um, and uh, basically her big moment is when she meets Bill Paxton and he's hitting on her and she grabs him by the balls. It's like the show that she's like super tough. It's not, not, not the, um, oh, and then it turns out she's pregnant and that's why the, the predator won't kill her. Really? Yeah, where the fuck did that come from? Like, really? <laughs> Really great, really great role for women here. <laughs> it's like it's amazing because she's like the super tough ass, and she's like you grabbing Bill Paxton by the balls and like you know beating the shit out of people. And then the predator's about to kill her, and it's like zoom, zoom, zoom. Oh, she's pregnant. Oh, I can't kill her. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like this guy came completely out of nowhere. It wasn't like she. This was like part of her character or something. Well, the two. It's well, just like because she was a woman, I guess. Is is that what was going on? Two things. Two things. The first thing is like the the female character is like you know it's like a contradiction for 1990s 1990 man which is like she's a ball buster and she's pregnant what <laughs> um, and then uh in terms of the other thing the movie actually does establish these sort of like rules that the predator lives by that the first movie didn't have to establish which is that he doesn't kill a woman the woman who's pregnant and he doesn't kill the child who he recognizes as a toy gun and so he clearly has like some sort of like yeah, codes. Right. The predator has codes that, 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 that he lives by, it seems. Well, yeah. So one of the things it says on the Wikipedia, and I thought that this was like a really useful lens to judge the movie through. So it's basically like they pitched them six concepts for the movie and they picked the one that was like from the jungle to the concrete jungle. Oh my God. Uh, and so that's the one the studio wanted to do. It says a goal of the sequel would be to expand on the predator's origins and motives showing the creature has been visiting the planet for centuries is not psychopathic, but just interested in hunting and depicting its spacecraft. <laughs> like, so from the studio, those were the goals of the movie. Like it, it, this existed to like serve the franchise in a certain way and like uh, certain franchise goals it had to accomplish. And I, I gotta say it, it did them all. It, it was completely successful on those terms, you know? <laughs> but again, like the concrete jungle was taken so literally by oh God, this right. team of creatives that it's offensive. <laughs> yes, 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 100%. I mean, the first shot of the movie is like these gang members, these Latino gang members with machine guns just shooting them and cackling and like murdering people and like just laughing their heads off, you know? Again, like and serious, like serious RoboCop vibes, but in RoboCop, like they were white guys because the movie had a conscience about this. Yeah, right. And there's and, no distance. There's no distance from it at all. Yes, there's no exactly. kind of commentary happening on it. That's just is this just is what is happening in this movie. Yeah, which makes it. If there had been even just a layer of irony or ironic detachment, there would have been know, right? something a little less uh, offensive uh, 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 about the movie. Um, the uh, the spaceship in the end, we fight. We get to meet a number of other predators who show up, who are apparently played by Los Angeles Lakers, <laughs> because Danny Glover was friends with them, and they needed tall people, so Glover like had the like just had them come. And did you watch that video I sent you of them all doing a yes! dance inside the spaceship oh with Danny Glover? God. There's a video <laughs> on on YouTube that's I think on the like Predator Two DVD or something of. Danny Glover and all of the guys in the Predator outfits doing these like doing like a almost like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ninja rap dance like on the yes. Predator spaceship. Yes. It's really they're funny. all doing like 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 the kinds of break dancing you can do in a Predator outfit. You know, like as much as you could possibly do. A lot of like arm movements. You know, like I want. So before we get to like what's on the spaceship and then like a couple other aspects of it. I mean, we've spoken so much about like how the movie feels like a little feels kind of racist. Um, and uh, Roger Ebert's review actually goes a step further in talking about the creature, the design of the, of, of the predator where oh, he wow. says, yeah. uh, the creature in this movie is a work of subtle racism. Subliminal clues are slipped in to encourage us to subconsciously connect the menace with black males. Then he follows up by saying, one not-so-subtle scene has the Predator threatening a Bernard Getz type on the subway, which is Bill Paxton and the whole subway scene. And you know who Bernard Get Bernie Getz is, right? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the Predator, though. The Predator doesn't threaten the Bernard Getz character. That's like the gang. The other the gang is threatening the Bernie Getz character. Oh, really? 
Yeah, it's like that's it's like this whole Bernie Getz thing, yeah, with the gang and. Uh, oh yeah, that's no, right. It's not and the that's, predator. That's right. That's right. I remember. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, and this time the Getz type meets his match. But doesn't the Bernie Getz be, be killed by the predator? Uh, it's kind. Of, it's kind of unclear. No, I don't. I don't think they do it specifically. It's like he pulls a gun out, then the gang pulls a gun out, and they grab his gun. Then everyone on the train pulls a gun out, and then Bill Paxton and Mar Maria Conchita Alonso also pull their guns out, and like then the lights go out and everybody's shooting and getting murdered by the predator. Right. Kinda. Right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That Not is... to disagree with Roger Ebert. I mean, I agree that well. One of the most obvious ones is like we said the the main bad guys are the like Jamaican voodoo whatever the big bad jamaican voodoo daddies and like they all have these like crazy like dreadlock wigs they're wearing and they're all smoking like these huge spliffs and they have like a zebra print limousine they ride around in and like the the bad one the head one king willie he, he's wearing like the craziest dreadlock wig i've ever seen in my life <clears throat> it's like so it looks like it's like felt it's like a muppet kind of thing <laughs> and then right uh, and he's doing all these really serious scenes and really tight close up with his like felt fake hair around his face and it's really stupid. Um, but then of course all the predators have dreadlocks also, you know, and they look a lot more like real dreadlocks. They don't look like, you know, like alien tendrils, <laughs> like, like the old one has gray dreadlocks that kind of looks like they have rubber bands around them or something, you know, like, <laughs> it's very much, they are, have dreadlocks. It's not like all that subtle. How bad was the writing in this movie as well, though? Like the lines that are given to a lot of these characters are just oh like God. not funny, not like when he when Danny Glover calls the predator a pussy face. <laughs> like that's he he goes, come on, come on, pussy face. Like okay, man, like, he couldn't do like a little bit better than pussy face. <laughs> Yeah, no, and when he gets out of the limo with the um the Jamaican voodoo daddies, he goes, <laughs> "Better cut down some." Oh boy! And like that's not a that's not a joke. What is what is that? It's just advice, I guess. You know, like yeah. Um, they get uh Glover gets on the uh, spaceship and on the spaceship, he's in the in this moment he's chasing down the predator. All of the uh, government guys have been killed except for one pretty handsome actor whose name i can't remember um who i feel like i've seen in a billion tv shows afterwards he's like not tony goldwin but could be but like could like looks like maybe like tony goldwin um, wait which, which character are you talking about like gary Busey's second in command who's like in the oh yeah no i think it is because it's like the young version of somebody who does stuff like in the 2000s or the yes. later 90s yeah, yeah. um so Danny Glover, after like fighting the predator on top of a building and other places and chasing him around and making absolutely no sense that he has not been just sort of like crushed like a bug oh God, by the predator. Fucking, like extremely out of shape looking. He's like covered in sweat in the movie. <laughs> like, the movie opens somehow... with him being covered in sweat for like the first 20 minutes. His shirt, it looks like he's been sweating in it for 15 days. This predator is like an unstoppable killing machine, and somehow like Danny Glover is like punching it and like doing real damage to it. You're like, there is no way in hell Danny Glover would be so dead. Like, right? Like replace like in Lethal Weapon when he's behaving like this and fighting like this, you're going, wow, I can't believe he's doing it. In this one, he's fighting the predator <laughs> and performing the same like fighting skills, which is like being out of breath and confused about how to fight, but still pulling it off. You're like, "What? Absolutely stop! Absolutely not! This isn't. This is completely ridiculous." Absolutely not. A hundred percent. There was a scene where he was on the floor of the meatpacking plant, and the predator was walking towards him, and he just looked like he just wanted to have a cigarette and just stop. You know, <laughs> I was like, "There is no way he is going to get out of this situation. I don't care what the fuck is going on with the predator's armor or whatever." The uh, so Danny gets on. Uh, Danny G gets on the spaceship, and he sees the trophies of the predator. And one of those trophies is a very specific skull. Chris, do you know what skull it is? Hey, do you mean that cool dinosaur skull that was there, Ricky? Is that what you're talking about? No. Um, yeah, do you mean the, how there's a, an alien from the movie Alien Skull there? Yes. Setting up some future franchise action. Yes, that, that is what I am talking well, about. Well, Easter egg for the 
fans. Like, I mean, honestly, this shit is so like 2010. Like, this is a good 20 years ahead of its time. It's like really setting up the franchise, putting in some Easter eggs for the fans, like building the world, you know, so that they can make more films that take place in this sandbox, you know? Well, apparently, and I don't know if this is true because you can't really trust any of this stuff because the companies have never wanted to see Marvel is the only is the only one who's been like I think in 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 the movie world has been like no we are selling you on the next movie this is not organic we get into a room and right, we try yeah. to figure out like how to sell these things or it's like most of the studios didn't do that they always would try to hide behind like no we just like that was someone's idea but what the story was that the director Stephen Hopkins uh while they were on set was like can we put can we like it'd be cool if we put that skull there because they're supposed to be going to different planets and hunting people. So why not put an alien head that people will recognize in there? I don't know how, I mean, you know, how true that is, but that's good. If that's the truth, then that's super cool. If that's because, I mean, this is such a huge thing, right? Alien versus predator. Is this like, was it already a thing people talked about about, or did he invent it with this impish prank or like what? Maybe the alien versus predator comics came out like in the eighties or something alien versus predator was a short story was 1989, 1990. So it looks oh, so like it had just happened. It looks yeah, like it had it just happened. Happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. So it's like a cool nod to those comics, you know? Well, the movie itself is based is like, is, is based off of a predator comic as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's a cool idea. Like if this movie was like, an anime from 1990. Oh, that would, would be amazing. Yeah. I bet it would rule if it was like a hard-bitten detective, like uh, fighting, trying to find an alien that's doing gruesome murders. Like that sounds like a great anime, but like as this movie, oh, and then oh, I was like, no. <laughs> and honestly, like if it was an anime, I would let go of so much of the like weird racism. I would just be like, whatever. Well, it's anime. Animes are pretty racist, actually. You know, yeah, like it's just exactly. like well, Japanese people. You know, like. They don't really, they haven't really met anyone who doesn't look like them basically ever. So these are all just fairy tale characters to them. Like, they and don't also, understand. You sort of can feel like it's your fault because it's like a lot of their depictions of people who are not Japanese, as far as I know, are based off of exported pop culture from Right. Us. So it's like really our fault, right? Yeah, for making absolutely. <laughs> yeah. This is like an impression of like TV shows from the 60s and 70s. Like, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, is, is, am I am I missing anything? Am I missing anything? What else? What else would you like to talk about in regards to this movie? Oh wow, gosh. Well, I would just say uh, again to talk about the Wikipedia some more because obviously I do like real research for this show. Um, I pulled that, out the Ebert interview. I had stuff. I did you research. Did, you did. I I didn't. I'm saying I did. Oh, you you did are it. making me look awful. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, always. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> it says the set design was supposed to be, quote, kind of retrograde future. That's equal parts Brazil and Blade Runner. And I was like, that is not, that is not anything like what is happening in the movie. I think the only like interesting set design of the entire movie is the spaceship at the end of the movie. Like we never see an exterior of it. We just see this one kind of like chamber, but at least it's cool looking. Like it's all like metal and like orange lights and there's like smoke and like, I don't know. It seemed to at least have some care put into it, you know, whereas everything else was just like on the street in front of a building in downtown Los Angeles or like in an empty warehouse or something, you know. Apparently, you know, like the creators of the movie and I, I initially read about this because a week ago I watched Judgment Night, which is the movie that Stephen Hopkins made after this, which was shot all around the south side of Chicago. And it's beautiful to look at. The locations are amazing. And in an, and I was trying to read an inter I was trying to find interviews with him about the shoot because it was so surprising. And he talked about shooting this movie in L.A. and a lot of the alleyways that they shot in, like they one they he they had to cut a deal with I think the Crips because it was their neighborhood. They had to cut a deal with them for protection. And two, the alleyway was like they found a they the the creative team found a dead body in the alleyway while they were shooting. Like it was apparently. I mean, may, again, maybe they were just saying this to be like, wow, really, you know, our, our movie's so authentic to what the L.A. experience really is. But according to them, you know, they were shooting in parts of L.A. that were just like completely abandoned, uh, you know, urban blight. 
I mean, it was pretty rough at the time downtown Los Angeles. That's for sure. But yeah. like, I do, I will. Like, I, I read this story also, and I, I was like, yeah. I mean, that is pretty intense. But then I was like, isn't that supposed to be a story about thriller? Like, isn't that also supposedly what happened on, on thriller? Like, is this just what people said about like everything they did in the eighties, where they were like in the inner city? I feel like I have a hundred percent heard that during the filming of thriller they had to pay off a gang and that there was a dead body on like a fire escape that was dripping blood on michael jackson the whole time it's really funny it's like 19 like 1986 i don't remember when thriller was but like this period of time it's like uh saying that you found a dead body on set was like saying in 2000 saying in 2006 that like they let you improvise a lot (laughs) <laughs> yeah right it was like we found a dead body on set it was actually bad it was not it was bad it was not thriller it was bad oh and that was new york mm-hmm. yeah and that yeah. was that was directed by scorsese right or was beat it directed by scorsese i forget i don't know um, um but yeah but i but do you did you think i thought the spaceship was like the only thing that was interesting looking like i liked it i mean i'm like a nerd or whatever but like i i thought the spaceship was cool I wish more of the movie had been like the spaceship. I wish the whole movie had taken place in the world that that spaceship took place in. Well, I think that means that you have to watch uh, like, you know, Alien versus Predator and stuff because I feel like those maybe take place uh, on the spaceships. Great. Okay, I can't wait, Ricky. I can't wait to watch. I guess there's some kind of remake with Topher Grace or something. Well, there's predators. A, there's, multiple, predators. there's multiple Predator movies. There's Predators, which is directed by Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Has Topher Grace and Adrian Brody. Just a stellar cast. I just couldn't wait to feast my eyes on that. <laughs> uh, Topher Grace and Adrian Brody. Wow. Yeah, and then then there's the movie that Shane Black of like the Nice Guys and Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the movie that he made before that? Oh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Bang. bang. He made a movie called The yeah. Predator, which came out a couple of years ago yeah. with like Boyd Holbrook and Keegan Michael Key. Right, that one I remember. And Olivia I Munn. remember that one coming out. Yeah. That that movie it was supposed to be awful. That also, movie I have it? I have seen that movie, and it is without a doubt, hands down, top five worst movies I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> I'm not I'm not even kidding. It's not fun. It's ab- it's like insanely boring. None of the plot, none of the plot strands come together. It seemed like a like every day people were getting together to find out what was hot in that moment and throw it into the movie. And Shane Black was just like, "Okay, okay, fine, whatever you guys want, let's go." And then they would do it. And then the performance. And then like when you have Shane Black not firing on all cylinders, his like hammy dialogue just like does not work at at, at, at all. You know, it's like it just feels. Like none of the humor lands. It feels really flat. It's it's just just atrocious. Just impossible. Sounds great. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, Chris, I don't know if we're at this point. Maybe we, you know, if we're not, yeah, sure. Going, Let's, go like, for we, it, dude. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. What was um? You know, what was uh? What was uh? How was um? You know, what was uh, uh, your favorite? Uh, what was your favorite part of the? What was your favorite? Am I? Am I interrupting you? Am I interrupting you? Are you still talking? Or am I interrupting? I've finished the question. Yeah. What was your favorite part of the? Uh, <laughs> uh, the favorite the movie favorite part? Yeah. It was your favorite part of the movie. Did you have a favorite part? What was it? Uh, well, There's, I mean, you if you're so thinking much. about favorite parts and you're thinking about the movie, just like which, what of your, I mean, you can say multiple. If you had multiple favorite parts, you can say multiple favorite, but just say whatever your favorite part of the movie was. Well, Rick, oh, hold on a so second. I'll be right back. Ricky, I was just talking all about it. Got to be that predator spaceship. I really, if, <laughs> uh, sometimes I answer this question ironically and sometimes I answer it sincerely. I am somewhere in the middle with this. I mean, it was my favorite part of the movie was that cool ass spaceship. Also, the predator had a dinosaur skull and he had an alien skull and he had a bunch of people skulls. That was cool. You know, it was lots of fog in it. <laughs> I really liked it. I just really liked it. It's so funny that it was one room. Uh, what was your favorite part of the movie? That the, pre- that, the, the pre- that the predator ship was one room. Like <laughs> it was one room. He and only it didn't saw have an exterior. To be clear, you you didn't see it from the outside ever. Not even in a drawing or whatever. You know? It was one room the size of my apartment. <laughs> yes, yes, it was one dumbass room. <laughs> oh God. Um, and then the predators show up, and because Danny Glover has killed one of theirs, they like give him a suit. Oh, we haven't even talked about that. They give him a souvenir that's like a handgun from 1776. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's so weird. They give him this. <laughs> it's like he kills the predator. All these fucking predators come around, and you think like, oh man, his goose is really cooked now. Like <laughs> Danny Glover. I guess I can accept that he killed one predator given the circumstances laid out in this movie. But like seven or eight predators, like I think he's gonna pretty much die. <laughs> like he can't. And then they just take away the one that he killed, and uh, as a sign of respect, they give him an old musket. <laughs> what does he say when the predators surround him? He says like the pred- He's just killed oh the one God. predator, and he's been surrounded by these guys, these uh, these other predators who he knows he can't beat. And he, it's really the one funny line of the movie. It's like akin to like I'm too old for this shit. And it's like what Danny Glover is really there for is he says something along the lines of like, who's next? <laughs> She's like, yeah, something like good. that. He's like, who's next? Or like, who's for, or, you know? Yeah. 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 It's great. It's great. It's Cause funny. you can also see in his face that he knows he is not going to win, you know, but he's just like, all right, who's next? <laughs> um, it is pretty good. My- see, and that happens on the spaceship. It's the best part of the movie. <laughs> my favorite part of the movie is pr- honestly, probably, Bill Paxton licking his fingers and then <laughs> wiping his his just his performance as a sleaze ball is so over the top and perfect and like he had to play these parts so much in movies yet he was apparently oh, like yeah. apparently like a court maybe it's just because he died like relatively young people say this but according to everybody he was like the greatest man in the world it was just like the, an absolute sweetheart and for so yeah. long in movies, he played like the weasel. Just <laughs> <laughs> like a real gross loser, you know? Yeah. That was all a real scumbag piece of shit. Yeah. But you can tell underneath it that he is the world's nicest man. And I guess yeah. that's why he's good at having those parts is that it doesn't seem menacing. It seems like that's funny true. or weird. You know, it doesn't he doesn't seem like sincerely like he is that person, you know. I still I still love in uh in true lies when they're in the convertible together and like he's pretty sure that he thinks that bill paxton is sleeping with his wife and he like they're driving the convertible and arnold just like punches him like multiple times and it just like very like what depicts very well what it would be like if arnold schwarzenegger punched bill paxton in the face <laughs> multiple times. it's like horrifically violent <laughs> um I think, um, but yeah, I think Bill Paxton, and also not just for the scene where he licks his fingers, but the first, they only have one joke for him for the first like 10 minutes of his time in the movie, which is he keeps trying to tell stories to Maria Conchito Alonso's character, even after she grabs his balls. And his stories are just like, you are, they're the kind of they're the kind of stories in movies where you're only catching the tail end of it, right? So it's like the camera pans over and he's like, and I said to her, it's not a spoon, it's a fork. And then everyone's supposed to like laugh or something. And like, you know, like, you know, and I said to her, I said to her, this isn't a misdemeanor lady. You're going to jail. And like everybody like laughs and he does it like two to four times in the beginning. Oh, of the movie. Like, They only had like his one whole character. That's his yes, whole character. That's all they had for him. But Paxton makes it work each time. Each time he makes it funnier. I think so it's good. great. He's so good. And there is, there's, this is one of the really weird bad lines in the movie and delivered like horrifically by Danny Glover, who does such a bad job acting in this movie. And like he's so <laughs> awful in this movie. There's a like, so right after his first scene, he's like trying to talk to Danny Glover. And then some, he, Danny Glover like blows him off. And later on, Danny Glover's friend is like, oh, that's like the Lone Ranger from Precinct 11. And he goes, huh. I thought he was here to fix the air conditioner. (laughs) It was like a Vin Diesel level line. Delivered not as well. Glover's (laughs) like not on the same, not, not on the same page with the vibe of this, this movie. He's like tonally off. Yes. He's like totally tonally off. Yeah. And Oh, I will also say again, I mentioned it earlier, but really Paxson's my favorite part of the movie because whenever he's on screen, either he's doing something totally silly and ridiculous and overplaying it in the most perfect way, or he's getting his head and head ripped off, ripped off, which is a, <laughs> great, a great image from the movie that as soon as it appeared, I was just like, finish him. I thought of mortal Kombat. Immediately. <laughs> who was it? Who was hey, it? This- Scorpion or it was sub zero sub zero. No, I think it was sub zero pulled the, pulled the, uh, I think Scorpion, no Kano pulled the heart out. I think it was sub zero that pulled the head and the spine off. Yeah, I mean, agree to disagree, man. All right, well, whatever. We'll never know. It's impossible to know. You know, it's one of the great mysteries of life. 
Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've, it's I've, one of these great um, Mandela effect things. Did you watch the the? John, are you watching this show? This how it was. With... It was Sub Zero. It was Sub Zero. Sub Zero Spine Rip Mortal Kombat. All right. Scorpion uh, toasted people with fire. Oh, did he? Hey, what, what did you think the most '90s part of the movie was, Ricky? <laughs> oh Jesus. Um, you know, probably it's a uh, depiction of, I mean, honestly, it's depiction of race and crime is very, feels very 80s. It feels, it feels like very 80s. It feels I, like 80s I, panic, but I mean, it, that, that you stuff have to lingered into the like, 90s. Movie was, and you had to wonder if this movie was not in development for like several years because it, it does have a very, I know it, it was like, it's, I know, I know it wasn't, it feels like it. It feels so 80s. You just yeah. want to believe that it like the project was kicking around, but they actually made it in like three months, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they pitched it and then like they pitched the idea and then had four weeks to write it and then like a month to, sh- a couple week, a couple months to shoot it and edit it. That's so fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. Imagine making something like this on that time, on that, in that, in the, on that time frame. That's insane. Oh my God. I mean, just writing, I mean, writing the movie in four weeks is hard enough. And then to have to fucking make it in the next like 12 weeks is like, Jesus Christ. Like you would want kind of a break or something. Yeah. I think the most nineties thing about the movie to me is its depiction of media. That feels like a very nineties depiction of um, salacious, salacious media that didn't really, that didn't really exist in the eighties yet. Um, And then you have the nineties, you have like, Natural Born Killers, even Jason Goes to Hell has like yeah. a whole salacious SFW. media angle. SFW, um, great, great movie. Um, yeah, yeah that that to me feels like the most '90s thing about this movie uh, is its um, depiction of salaciousness in media. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the media in the movie, so right, it's Morton Downey Jr. who's supposed to be this like sleazy TV journalist for like hard copy, basically. And there is a, so we were talking about how the scene like dehumanizes it or how the movie dehumanizes everyone. So there's a scene where more, I mean, Morton Downey Jr. is like this piece of shit, but trying, trying to do a report about this murder. And he goes, Hey, I'm a journalist. I have rights. And they cut to Danny Glover, just gently smiling and laughing. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know about that. Like, that seems like a pretty weird decision. And he's like, ha ha. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I think you, you remember this period of time uh, when we think about this movie or Die Hard 2, which we watched um, earlier yeah. this year, which is that like anybody outside the cops that right. like gets in the cops way, whether it's by trying to enforce any kind of like legal control restrictions um, or tell their story, depict what they might be doing wrong is viewed as like a self-involved um opportunistic hindrance to to them. And this is like dude, I was thinking about this too. You're totally right and like this is the real attitude that people still have. Like this is why we have the problems we have in America is because people have these kind of messages, right? Yeah. And that, so then in real life when they're like, "Oh, yeah. Oh, you think you know better than the cops? Hmm, what are you?" That weird EPA guy from Ghostbusters like, "Oh, yeah, the regulations." And you always like, want to, oh, yeah, the rights of a journalist. Uh huh. And you always want to be like, yes, I, they they probably know better than the cops. Have you ever met a fucking cop? Oh like, God, like Jesus fucking Christ. Like the most. I mean, you could say like they're like well intentioned occasionally, but they definitely are <laughs> not like super bright, you know, and or like slow to anger, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I have that feeling a lot, not just in regards to like how people respond to the media now, but I do think that, uh, and it's an it's a funny thing to say while we're doing a podcast about movies because clearly clearly we love movies, but I do think I do think like narrative both in television, film, and marketing has like warped um, people's even people who think that they're aware of it, like myself, has like warped our ability to understand nuance and complexity, and like that sometimes life just doesn't shake out in like in, 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 in easy, simplistic ways and that there are no heroes. You know, I think that we have kind of defined ourselves by uh, these standards that have been created to tell like entertaining stories or sell us things. Well, and I think also with like, with, you know, I sound like such a fucking old piece of shit, you know, social media, reality TV, everybody's a character all the time. People are self-consciously portraying themselves as like, 
types of characters that are from media. And every, that's like the way you define your life and find success in, in the world is by turning yourself into some kind of character. And it's like very dark. It's very dark stuff, you know? Well, it's like all the stuff that's on social media right now for people who are like, oh, like warning signs for like a guy that you're going on a date with is if they read Infinite Jest and listen to the Smiths, they're probably this type of person. It's like this like intense need to categorize every human being based off of some sort of narrative depiction or, 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 or like simplistic idea that you've been privy to based off of a TV, TV show or a movie you're marketing in some capacity. Well, here's what I will say in defense of the media on this. And this is like, as somebody who is or, or is or was a writer or whatever, it's like all media is run by like 26 to 28 year olds. And like, it just is the way it is. And I don't understand why we allow that to happen, especially like arts media, you know, like, I mean, oh, yeah. there's exceptions obviously, but like that is basically the people that are in charge of saying like, what is a good show and like, what is interesting and what are the trends? And you're just like, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think they're speaking for everyone in, in the world or in the country. You know, I think it's just, I think it is a thing you are fixated with at that time. And that is why those people do those jobs. Yeah. And also because they don't like pay any money for you to do them anymore. So like, <laughs> right. Everybody else just ends up going into advertising or some yeah, sort of exactly. like mar focus marketing, you know, to do the real evil work, not comment on the evil work anymore. Exactly. Um, just to like yeah what is uh what do what is the most 90s thing to you well you know i think um all the stuff we were talking about i mean they're like all the cop cliche stuff it's very 90s i mean it goes back into the 80s but then it just keeps keeps going in the 90s right i mean yeah I it's, mean, still it's, it's still going it's still going it's still going it's i mean uh, that's true right but i mean i feel like a lot of the really like er cop movies are from the 90s like speed uh point mm -hmm. break um other ones those are the two main ones that i was thinking of but like it can it's it's a major major thing in culture at least you know for a couple more years but um also like there's this weird thing in it where towards the end of the movie in this like 45 minute fist fight between danny glover and a super powered alien mm -hmm. he keeps it's like somehow the alien can speak some words of english and at some point one of the one of the jamaican big bad voodoo daddies says uh shit happens and so then the alien says shit happens and then Danny Glover, as he kills the alien, goes, shit happens. And I was like, that did actually feel kind of forward-looking to me, that kind of, like, catchphrase-driven action movie murder. Like, I know you're getting that in, like, Die Hard kind of thing, but I do think of that more as, like, the 90s. Like, we're still years away from Terminator 2, you know? No, we're not. We're one year away from Terminator 2. Oh, okay. I thought it was two years. I thought it was 92. It's 91. Yeah, Terminator 2 is 91. Okay, well, so okay, so one year, so it's one full year ahead of Terminator. 2. And we're getting Kindergarten Cop this year, and we've got Running Man. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger at this point had already kind of become king of the action yeah, movie one, so. one liner. Right. That's fair. I thought I, I think it went into the '90s, like you said, but I, I think also possibly what you're talking about is that your experience of it was in the nineties because you were watching these, like yeah, these movies in the nineties. I was younger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I did forget about running man. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I take it back. Just edit it out. No, no fucking way. No way. We keep, we keep when, when one of us is wrong, specifically you, we keep it in the podcast when I'm wrong hey, Ricky, because I'm the editor, like, I cut it out. I post the final audio. Maybe I'll have a listen to this week's episode, you know, <laughs> and see what, um, Chris, uh, it's been 30 years since <laughs> Predator 2 came out. Uh, what oh what God. do you think this movie's grown out of? Woo. Well, I do think it's what we're talking about. I mean, the absolute dehumanization of anyone who is not a white person. Like, yeah. good Jesus Christ, the kinds of cartoonish, racist nonsense that are in this movie. I mean, I, I, just the way... I know I keep talking about it, but the way they portray this Jamaican gang, like they have these like three inch wide joints all the time. And they're always like, they all have huge dreadlocks and like smoke is coming out of the car. And, but then they're, and they're like, I'm going to do voodoo magic. And you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck is happening in this movie? And they are just treated like so disposably, like, you know, I was kind of sad when King Willie got killed. I kind of respected King Willie. I was like, I don't know why necessarily the Predator had to come take his head. I didn't know why the Predator especially wanted King Willie. And, you know. 
You know, you just reminded me of it's not it's not uh, about what you're talking about, but you reminded me of it for some reason, which is just like a, another scene that I liked that uh, is when the predator is like um, bandaging himself up in the woman's bathroom in the apartment. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this too. Yeah. Danny Glover comes running in, and the predator has already escaped, and he's like trying to tell the woman to not be scared. He's a cop, and she goes. I don't think he gives a shit. <laughs> that was pretty fucking good. That was pretty great. Like, yeah, that was good. I like <laughs> that. Really that is kind of fun too, because it's like they, the Predator has crashed through the wall of the... And we see him do all this weird shit with like, he like breaks up tiles and heats them up on a little camp stove. And I don't know why the movie is taking the time to show us all this shit. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But eventually they cut to like the other side of the bathroom door and it's like an old couple, you know, and I was like, oh, this is like kind of fun, <laughs> you know, they're like, I think something's in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, I, like, oh. I mean, I'm just going to say the exact same thing as you in terms of what this movie has 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 grown out of its depiction of uh criminals specifically uh, black and brown uh, criminals is um, abhorrent and disturbing uh, at, yeah. at, at times. And you kind of want to like just laugh at it, but I can't imagine watching it with a person of color in 1990 or even now. Like if someone, if a person of color was sitting in my apartment watching that with me, I would have been like, oh boy. <laughs> oh my God, right? You would just be like, oh, I sure was a different time, huh? <laughs> and, it's, and it's interesting because they do tr- could totally try to offset it by having, like, all the cops, with the exception of Bill Paxton, are people of color. They're, they're, they're Danny and he's Glover a buffoon. I mean, and he's you a could just make the case. I mean, I did was said it like I was being my, like, corporate PR asshole guy, but, like, it is true. The entire cast is people of color, except for uh, Bill Paxton, who's treated like he's a buffoon. So and like Gary, in a Gary way, Busey. it's like okay, all the bad guys. Oh, and Gary Busey, who's also like an asshole. He's a villain too. Yeah, yeah. So it is almost like you can like cut it some slack, but also not at all. <laughs> also, a hundred percent not. Yeah, because it is this. It is like trying to depict this city uh, populated by people of color as a war zone, right? Right. Like that's the yeah. other thing. Is that welcome like welcome to the war? Yeah. Like sure. Like the cops as well are, are 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 people of color, but like that seems and that ends up in a way seeming to play into its vision of a of like of a hellscape based solely ba- like a hellscape urban warfare populated only by people of color. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And they do say actually now that I'm thinking about it, to Bill Paxton, they're like nobody wants to get transferred in here, so it is like he doesn't belong in the world, and is for some reason decided to get involved in this war of the like black and brown people that he shouldn't really be involved in. And then he gets his head and spine ripped off. Oh my God. In cool cartoon silhouette. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Predator two. It was, Predator I expected it to be a little bit better. Cause I, I think it has like a slight cult status, but I also think that's only because all the other predators other than the first predator are pretty bad. And this might be the better of them. Uh, in terms yeah. of in the se- in terms of the sequels, and also maybe because its depiction of uh, is like the, its depictions of violence at the top are so violent. Apparently, the movie was like one of the first NC seventeen movies, but they cut it they cut it down before it actually so got the got the rating. Um, but yeah, it, I, I I expected to like it even in a more ironic way, but I. I couldn't be that detached from 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 its depictions at the beginning in the first hour, and then after the first hour, when I had sort of pulled my jaw up off the floor, sure. um, it was sort of boring because you're watching Danny Glover fight the Predator. <laughs> so, I cannot overstate what it is like to watch Danny Glover fist fight the Predator. <laughs> this absolutely the wildest thing that has ever been committed to film is Imagine- the idea. Somehow he would win. He would win the fist. Imagine you're in the pitch meeting, and they're like, they're like, they're like, guys, look, we can't get uh, Arnold. Can't do it. He's um, he's busy with Kindergarten Cop. He's asking for too much money. We're trying to make it for the same budget that we made the first one for. Anybody have any ideas? And someone's like, I got it. Danny Glover. It's Joel Silver. I mean, it's Joel Silver, right? Because he just worked. He worked with him on Lethal Weapon. It's like. Danny Glover. Look, we're going to get Danny Glover in. He's great. He's great at this kind of thing. It's a cop thing. He's a, supposed to be a cop. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Danny Glover's great at that. He's great. At, he's a great cop. 
I feel like it was like no offense to Danny Glover, but I feel like Joel Silver was like going down his roll at Rolodex. <laughs> and it was like was like Mel, Mel, Predator Two, Predator Two, eh, no, okay, okay. Uh let's see, let's see, let's see. What do we got here? What do we got here? Oh, okay, Tom Selleck. Tom, Tom, Joel Silver here. Predator two, no, oh, okay, bye, bye. Okay, let's see, let's see. What do we got here? What do we got here? Uh Pierce Brosnan, do you want to be in Predator Two? No, I don't think I want to be in Predator Two. I've got commitments to Remington Steel. <laughs> Where we both have a really good, we just pulled those impressions out of nowhere, and they were both phenomenal. Just I have to so say, good. honestly, they were so good, Ricky. And thank you for stopping the show to point that out. I really they think were, that it was. I mean, we might want to change the title of the show from here on out to the Pierce Brosnan <laughs> Impression Hour, and do just an hour solid of Pierce Brosnan impressions. Talk maybe still talking about the movie. So like thirty years later, we just add Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. As exactly as Pierce, it's sort of like Pierce the trip Brosnan. how they both do um, different Michael Caine impressions. We'll just be doing that with Pierce Brosnan, but talking so, about movies. So, like, yeah, what's next week's movie? Oh my God, I don't know. What is it? You want me to do a Pierce Brosnan impression? So it's so according to our list, we're going to be doing Misery next week. Chris, why don't you take out take us out with a little Pierce Brosnan introducing Misery next week? Or we'll both do it. We'll both do Pierce Brosnan. Let's go. Okay. Hello. All right, so next week we're going to be doing misery. We're talking about Kathy Bates knocking a leg smash, knocking ankles with his sledgehammer on James Conn as a Stephen King style. I'm more of a fan of knocking boots. The end. (laughs) 